You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum, and I am an artist and a healer. Today, we are continuing with the Artist's Way series, and we are already on week five, which is recovering a sense of possibility. I feel like we're getting into where the movement starts starts to take place because the first few chapters, it's like any shadow work. It's like the chakras, the lower chakras, our human stuff is really sometimes challenging to look at and really looking at ourselves from a lens of non-judgment is really difficult. So once we get into this now where we're looking at possibility and abundance, this is where we start to actually see what's possible when we allow ourselves to grow and to see the more positive sides of ourselves, which is what the last few weeks have been doing. And I just wanted to touch on last week's episode where we left off about the reading deprivation, where we're supposed to have no reading, no TV. And honestly, this week was a bad week for me to try and do that. I started out with a challenging week actually i not that nothing too serious but for me i'm really attached to my car and it's not doing well it's been sitting in the parking lot for a couple of months and i'm looking at the reality that i may have to let go of it because it's not good so anyways that was a really difficult way to start my week and i also wasn't able to attend a wedding of a friend partially because of that So yeah, it started out really rocky. And of course, I was trying to not go to watching TV. The reading hasn't been so present for me. I haven't been reading a whole lot, which I was thinking like, it doesn't make sense for me to be depriving myself. I should probably be reading more. So that's something I'm probably going to do next week. I'm going to choose a new book to read. I realized I brought all of my library books back and didn't get any new ones a couple weeks ago. So yeah, that's something that came up for me around this reading deprivation is that for me personally, that's not something that I have been investing enough time in. So that was one thing that came out of it. And then the other side of it, the TV, which is for me is usually Netflix, sometimes TV, you know, on demand stuff. But what I actually realized was it's one of the only things that I can do to stop myself from working and doing things is to watch something I really enjoy. So I did not follow through and not do it. But what actually came out of this was really interesting because the last few weeks I have been trying to work on finding balance in my life. And that's actually what came out of this week Try with having that in the back of my head, the fact that I was supposed to be doing the reading deprivation. And so what happened was during the day until I'm ready to have dinner or make dinner, I didn't have TV on, which is different. I usually have like daytime shows on or Netflix or something while I'm doing things. And that actually sometimes keeps me from even doing my work because I'll get so distracted and I'll be trying to do too many things. 
And so with not having that, I actually went for two walks a day some days. I got so much work done. I actually got ahead on my some of my audio editing projects because I was able to just focus on that, knowing that I didn't have the TV on and I wasn't distracted. And because I have to be listening actively to whatever I'm editing, that hasn't always been a focus if I get into whatever show I'm watching, sometimes it pushes the work back. So that was really good. And what I realized is now, if I get ahead on some of these projects, I'll have a couple days each week when I can actually feel like I don't have that guilt around doing the work because I will have freedom in my schedule. I actually am getting so good at doing a lot of work at once and really like batching what I'm doing that I might be able to choose a few days a week when I do all of my editing work and have a couple of days that have a bit more flexibility. So that actually was what came out of the reading deprivation for me. So it's something I'm going to continue to try to do and try to limit where I'm taking in and consuming content and TV and really treating it more like a way of totally letting myself shut down and just watch it. This weekend on Friday was when, I don't know if anybody in the States, like I don't know where this plays for you, but for the W Network, at least here in Canada, they started the Christmas movies, the Hallmark ones this weekend. So I watched those and that was kind of my time each day when I just kind of stopped everything and let myself relax a bit. So that was my recap of how that was going for me. And so as you guys know, who I either have known me for a while or have listened to me a lot, I don't follow a lot of rules that strictly. And so this is just kind of my permission slip to you you know yourself and so you'll know if you're cheating when you should be doing something but for something like the reading deprivation i realized if i don't have those things yes i could spend time working on art art projects and being more creative but if i have too much time in my schedule i don't get anything done so this was a really great way of me actually making a better structure. Like I'm a triple Capricorn. Having no schedule is not great for me, which I have learned over the last few months. So I just want to let you know that you have to really be honest with yourself with this. Like you can't give yourself a permission slip to not to just sit around watching TV or reading when you know that you could be spending that time on something creative. But for me, it was about creating chunks of time in my schedule where I choose if I'm going to do something creative or do work, which for me, thankfully right now is creative. So just thinking about this in a different way. Okay. So that was a long recap, but for week five, the sense of possibility, this is a lot about our limits that we place on ourselves and that possibility is only in our awareness. If we allow it to be the barrier to accepting the generosity of the universe is our own limited perspective of what is possible. That's how Julia Cameron starts this week. The idea that like, even when we receive an idea or an inspiration that lights us up, we still think it's not possible. We think that we're delusional, even though it's been given to us, which I believe, and I know Julia Cameron believes is for a reason what we have to realize is that if we are given the idea, it is possible. And something I heard recently, and I wish I could credit who I heard it from, but it was the idea that if it's happened for someone else, 
it can happen for you. So if you know someone or you've seen someone on social media or just in general, if you've seen someone do what you want to do, you can do it. That's your next grand permission slip. Just because we haven't done it yet doesn't mean we can't do it. And the other side of that is like, as much as we take ourselves too seriously by being like, oh no, like I can't do that. That's fun. That's extra, whatever. There's also the side of it that we don't take ourselves seriously enough. We don't realize that our potential is a lot greater than we allow ourselves to realize. And that goes for the universe as well, as she mentions in this chapter, that we don't take the universe seriously enough. If we're given this idea, then it is possible. There's no such thing in my belief and in her belief of dreaming too big. I think that we need to realize that we actually have the ability to co-create things into reality. In reality, we actually only withdraw a fraction of the opportunities and energy that are available to us. Myself personally, the way that this kind of like showed up for me sitting with the energy of this chapter was that it's like a parent giving an allowance to a kid. So let's say the kid gets this money from aunts and uncles and a bunch of people for their birthday and the parents just receive that money. The kid doesn't even get to see it. It gets put in the account and then the kid says, hey, I know I have this money. Can I have what you think I deserve? And they give them like $5 when realistically there's like $500 in the account. And this kid just trusts the parent and says, okay, like, I guess that's all there is. Realistically, our ego and our disbelief in ourselves is the parent who controls how much of that energy we receive. So even though we have all of this limitless ability, we're only giving ourselves like $5. (laughs) We're like, you know, you, everyone else can do whatever they want with, with their money and they have full access. But for you, you only get $5. And then one day, all of a sudden, you know, the, they go to the ATM and instead of putting the receipt in their pocket, the parent accidentally drops it and the kid picks it up and sees and is like, oh my gosh, I have all this money. And like, how did I not know this was there? And then you start to resent your, your parent a little bit because you're like, that was my money that was given to me. I understand you're trying to protect me because again, our ego tries to protect us, but I was going to do great things with that. You know, maybe they were going to donate it or maybe they were going to buy things for their friends and family. Maybe it was just a really great idea they had and they weren't able to do it. And so we are doing the same thing to ourselves when we don't allow ourselves to just see what happens and to trust ourselves. That really shows that the parent is not trusting the child to do something worthwhile. And how? Do, why does the parent get to decide? There's no real risk in trying something. I just wanted to put that out there because that kind of came as a metaphor, I guess, for me. This is quote that she says, which I, until I read it again this time, I, I, it usually is kind of in the back of my head. But what she says is how it works is not that you're just going to sit there, which I have said many times about manifesting and about sphere crumbs is like, you still have to do the work. You still have to put in the effort. And there's this quote that she says on page 92 that I love. And the quote is, pray to catch the bus, then run as fast as you can. 
It sounds so simple, but it's so true. You can pray to catch the bus, but if the bus starts moving a bit when you're getting to the stop and you don't run, that bus is just going to keep going. They're not going to think that you're serious, right? So like the universe, if you put out there like, oh, I want to be an artist, and then you turn down every opportunity that comes along, that's not going, that's not co-creation. That's you expecting the universe to do all of the work. Instead, if you start actively looking for opportunities and being open and buying some supplies and trying to do things on your own a little bit, then you'll start to see all the opportunities show up, right? The other side of it is that we have these underlying beliefs that, that our abundance takes away from others, but that's not true. Everyone, like I said, has this unlimited bank account. And in fact, by not taking our share, we're not actually then creating the things we're meant to create to give back to the universe. And I think if once I started thinking about it in that way, that's what really started to shift my perspective into doing things that I want to do, believing that when you're in your highest expression of yourself, that's actually a gift back to the universe. You're using, you're doing something with that energy that's there. It's going to be there regardless. But at a certain point, you have to do something with it, right? And you feel that within yourself. That's probably why you're listening, right? Like you you know that there's this inner sense that you should be doing something with it. There's another metaphor. This is a really powerful chapter for me to read right now. And I had this visual of this idea that there is a cap on how much we should use or that we're taking away from others was like a mailbox, okay? And so the visual that came to mind was that all of us have the same flyers delivered, right? And the mail carrier will keep filling up your mailbox. They will keep putting those in there because they have a responsibility to keep giving you those flyers, giving you the opportunity to do what you will with these flyers and to have the availability of these offers. It's gonna keep going in there, but it's really helpful if you actually go and pick up the mail. The more often you do that, the more effortless it is for them to throw those flyers in there for you. They're going to keep coming, but you need to actually do something with them. After a while, if you don't pick up the mail, it gets crammed. I don't know if you've done this. I've done this. I hate getting my mail. I don't know why. I just hate flyers. Eventually, something you really want is going to get crumpled up in there. And then when you finally go, it's overwhelming when you're like, oh my God, there's too many possibilities, like all of this stuff in here. And then you might actually take it out and be like, oh, look at it really quickly and be like, this is all just flyers. This isn't for me and throw the whole pile out. Meanwhile, maybe there was a check or a letter from someone offering you an opportunity or something that you really could have benefited from. Maybe there was an offering for a class that you might want to take, but you threw it in the garbage and lumped it in with all the rest of it. Because sometimes that's what happens when we start to realize, oh, there might be something I could do with this energy but then we don't take the time to actually take any actions because there's just too many possibilities, right? That's the other side of possibility. We get overwhelmed with the fact that we could do whatever the heck we want, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's too much. And so doing a little bit at a time and receiving the signs as they come, the spirit crowns, the opportunities, we're going to be less overwhelmed because we're going to be taking consistent, regular actions. And these don't have to be big. This can be just spending time doing what you love a few minutes every week or doing your artist date, continuing that practice of once a week doing something 
that is related to it. And that's why she gives these tools, the morning pages and the artist dates. As much as I haven't remembered all of the other content in between reading, I always have had those two practices in mind because she does that on purpose. That's why they're a weekly occurrence because those are habits, right? Once you do something, it's 12 weeks doing this, right? So even if there's a week you miss or you have to catch up later, that's fine. You're still doing the work. You're still keeping it as a priority for yourself. And if you keep doing that, obviously you may not be able to keep rereading and doing the chapters, but you learn the tools of like how to start recognizing patterns within yourself. And this goes into shadow work. We're in Scorpio season now. And I'm actually teaching part two of a shadow work class in the initiation circle. And I'm purposely doing it on the new moon in Scorpio because this is the energy that comes with that. So if you keep these practices moving forward, it's going to serve you really well and get you a lot closer to what you want to be doing a lot faster. Like I was saying, there's no time limit. There's no limit to the abundance and the creativity that will come to you. But the way that she says to look at it in this chapter is to consider that receiving is an act of worship, cooperating with the divine plan. If you're taking as much as you're giving, that is a divine co-creation. It can't just be all one-sided, right? That's what we need to keep in mind. The more we are acting on it and showing gratitude for what showed up for us, the more we're going to be given. And the universe wants us to take that energy, like I said, and transmute it into something that only we can do. That's the whole point of this, right? Is that like each person has their own unique abilities. And if you don't do it, if you don't act on it, if you don't share your gifts, there's nothing to replace that. There's no alternative. There's literally, that just like hit my heart really hard. There's no alternative to you. There's no one that's going to be like, oh, I see that you aren't doing your, your life's work. You're not putting your time into this creativity. And again, it doesn't have to be your full-time job, but you're not doing that. And so there's no one that's going to be like, oh, I'll do it for you because they don't have your life experience. They don't have your essence. They don't have your energy. They don't have your soul. Only you do. I don't know why this like really is just like, I'm feeling like I need to, I'm like, should, should have a pointer and like a, <laughs> a chalkboard. I'm like waving my arms around. But that's just something that I believe so very strongly. And that's why I, I like, I went back to art school when I was like in my late twenties, I think I was 28 when I went to the first school before I transferred. And I like, I'm getting tears in my eyes right now. Like, I don't think you guys understand. Like, it's so hard to like translate this energy that I have that is so, so rooted in doing what you believe in. And the fact that I am where I am right now, I don't know how this happened. You know what I mean? Like the, t it's just because I take the daily steps. I take each spirit crumb seriously. I'm like, there's a reason this came to me. I don't let those go. And I know it's really difficult and we can't all do it all the time. Obviously we have times when we have to choose security. We have to choose our family. We have to choose what is more immediate, right? So I'm not saying that you should feel bad about not following them at all. Cause there's tons that I haven't followed. Trust me. There's a lot where I'm like, I could be a lot better in a lot better shape if I followed some of those other ones. But I'm just saying that the ones that really call to me, they've never led me down a wrong path. There's no wrong path. Part of it is that we also need to let it flow to us the way it's meant to. So for example, I thought that I was going to be doing specifically 
oracle card readings, right? I thought, okay, that is what I'm meant to do. And then it shifted into energy healing. And as much as I was like avoiding it for a while, once I started doing it, once it started coming to me, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. So now more of my energetic, more of my work is in energetic things. It's more in energy healing. And even that is shifting right now into something more personal as opposed to strictly Reiki. And then I thought, okay, well, this healing and like intuitive work, this is going to be the bulk of my business. But then I had that download for podcast editing. And now most of my clients, the bulk of my business is audio editing. And that's something that I only took one course in, in school when it wasn't even something I really wanted to do is because it was the only thing available in my time slot because I couldn't take the printmaking class I wanted because I was in sculpture. (laughs) So like, you know what I mean? It's like, you take the opportunities and I was like, you know what? This seems like an interesting class. I've resisted it in the past. I'm going to take it. And audio and video editing are two things I've actually had paid projects for since then. And again, it's not what I wanted to do. I couldn't see myself sitting at my computer, but maybe it wasn't for the things I thought originally, but I genuinely enjoy it. So you never know how it's going to come to you. And often it'll come through other people, right? That's part of the divine plan is the people that you meet. And so when there's a synchronicity, be open to how the universe wants to respond to your requests. If you're looking for more creativity and something comes that's not quite what you had in mind, it doesn't mean it's not meant for you. It just means that maybe it's a way of showing, it could just be a way of showing you what you really don't want to do. Maybe you do it and your instincts are right and you're like, yeah, no, I really hated that. But at least you know. If you don't try it, you won't know, right? And that's something I have, I think it's probably my only, it's not even a regret, but something that I think I'm taking forward is that there's some, courses and some activities that I didn't fully put my effort into because I had that perfectionism thing going on where I was like, I might not be good at this, so I'm not going to try it. Meanwhile, now my heart is so much like, oh, I wish I just took those opportunities. Like there were things that I could have spent more time on and really gotten the full possibility of the energy of that experience. Another phrase that she says, which I wrote the quote for is on page 93. I have said before that creativity is a spiritual issue. Any progress is made by leaps of faith, some small and some large. Like I said, these don't have to be all really huge things. Sometimes just taking that five minutes for yourself is a huge leap of faith, right? And then you have to look at where your vision is. At first it's like, okay, maybe I'll take a class. Okay, maybe I actually need to dedicate a workspace to this then it's, okay, maybe I'm going to take a sabbatical from work and just work on this huge art project that I want to have in a gallery. So the gallery is the next thing. You can apply that to any different type of creativity, but it really allows you to build your trust in yourself and the universe, right? Again, another quote. As each idea comes to us, we must in good faith clear away our inner barriers to acting on it And then on an outer level, take concrete steps necessary to trigger our synchronous good. That's literally what I've been saying. And I forgot I even wrote that quote down. You have to take the steps, right? You have to do the physical things like walk in and be like, I am an artist. What would I do if I was an artist? And just be that artist. You might feel silly doing it, but it actually creates real changes in your life. It creates shifts that can only happen when you take action, right? And something that I have highlighted and starred every time I've read it is to look at what payoffs are you getting for staying stuck? 
because this is like the ego I was talking about earlier, that part of you that's trying to keep you safe, but safe equals stagnation to me. And I realized that early in this spiritual journey, when I joined the circle, my first face-to-face -face, like live Zoom reading, I was asked to write down my biggest fear. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but because I knew there was a time limit and I had to write something down because I didn't want to hold her up because I was so nervous. It was the first time somebody else was holding space for me in this way. And I just wrote down stagnation. I genuinely, until that moment, did not even know that that was my biggest fear. I never thought of that, but it's true. I get to a certain point where I will turn my entire life upside down to avoid staying where I am when I realize I'm in the wrong spot, right? Or if I realize I'm not happy. So where are you benefiting? So do you feel safe? Is that why you're seeing staying stuck? Do you feel like everyone else is happy with you because you're doing the things you're doing? Do you feel like you're doing what was expected of you? Do you feel like you're not going to lose anything because you know everything is very stable? Like, what is it? Like, really dig into that. And something else she says to start practicing as a way of getting guidance through the morning pages is to write what you need guidance on at night and then receive the answers in your morning pages. For me, this also works for like dream work. Sometimes I'll receive answers in my dreams. If not, sometimes I do get that guidance when as I'm waking up or doing morning pages. So that is something to consider. She has another section that is called finding the river. This is talking about how we're shifting into more spiritual dependency gradually, right? We're gradually learning to trust that spiritual side of ourselves and become dependent on that instead of our like material things and other people's voices. Our morning pages are actually part of that because they're allowing us to be more accepting of the fact that we shift and change on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Our beliefs have probably changed a lot in the last four weeks. The way we think, the way we identify, it's all, tr it's all fluid, right? Nothing stays the same. And I think the more we can accept that, the more it is like a river that we're just flowing through and we're allowing it. And that's more being in our feminine too, which a lot of us avoid. We want the masculine like structures and stability, or we trust other people's structures instead of looking at what we really want. The more we start to have freedom from our dependence on these other things, the more spontaneous we can be and the more present we are. Because once you know that you have this ability to act on what comes to you, you're more likely to do it once you start trusting it with the little things. How she describes this flow of the river is that the movement is the current of the flow of grace, moving us to our destiny. So the more we say yes to the river, even the rapids, she says, which I love, even accepting the rapids, the rough parts where you're like, I don't know where this is going. The more you can do that, the more you are building trust and learning to find a silver lining, even in those times. The last section of the chapter is called the virtue trap. The most relatable part about this is when she explains that this is people pleasing. It's this way that we use people pleasing as a means to stay stuck. And then that creates resentment towards other people because we don't realize it's our own fault, but also towards ourselves. And the main point that she starts with is that artists need downtime that we're doing nothing. Although this seems like laziness to us or 
like it's a waste of time. It actually takes courage to do that because then we're just left with our thoughts, our inner artist, and we're left with time. Time is one of those things that is so precious to me for that reason, because I am always trying to make the most out of my time. So when I actually schedule in time to do something just for myself, I feel like I get so much out of that time because it's so precious. She talks about here when we don't have that time that we turn into like a cornered animal. And that's when we get very bitter. We can be really just not ourselves. One of the quotes that I wrote down for this part is, many of us have made a virtue out of deprivation. There's this false sense of spirituality that she talks about, this feeling of being superior, being extra nice, being really generous with our time, when really we want to be left alone so that we can find who our true self is. And that is human nature, to really explore the self and to be creative and to be expressive. Most of the time we get to a point where our artist has just completely checked out. It's almost like we're living in an out-of-body experience. And I can totally relate to this, where you get into like a routine and you're just doing the same day-to-day stuff. And then you have these moments where you're just like, how is this my life? Like, this does not feel like me. Because you're not embodied in what you're doing. You're just kind of on autopilot. If you are feeling that way or you've had those experiences, you have to really start thinking about the fact that that probably means that your creative self no longer trusts you because you have all these thoughts, which I was talking today with someone about how we have these ideas that we know we should do. So whether for me, it's I know I should pull out my printmaking stuff or I know I should spend some time just sketching and listening to music. These things all appeal to me. I know I would enjoy them. But then when I don't spend time doing them, even though I told myself I would, if I write it on the calendar and then I don't do it, then I don't trust myself. (laughs) So then the next time when I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to do this. I almost like don't even believe myself. And it's the same with you if you have a person in your life that's like that, right? And so that's really self-destructive. That phrase is the focus of like the next little it really kind of hit home for me because we don't think that we're being self-destructive unless it's like doing something that's very obvious to other people. But really, it's the stuff that's inside ourselves that's really destructive. She talks about how it's not the external things. Wherever we're being destructive of our true nature, that is what is self-destructive because it's not allowing you to be yourself. In that way, somebody can tell you if they see you doing something extreme, like you're being self-destructive. But in this like true essence of going against your true self, you're the only one who can answer that honestly. The key there is answering honestly. You have to ask yourself, am I being true to myself or am I being self-destructive? You know, it fluctuates whether we're really being true to ourselves or not. But the more you ask the question, the more you'll tend to stay away from self-destructive practices. She has a couple of questions here to ask yourself. One being, what would I try if it weren't too crazy? And then one being, what would I do if it weren't too selfish? 
And that key there of like, if it weren't too selfish, we really need to examine why we label things that we would enjoy selfish when the purpose of them is just because we enjoy them, right? Because that's usually all it is. If we say we're being selfish, it's because it's just something that's just for us. It's just for the self, right? It's not including the people pleasing and the checking in with other people. She has a quiz that's called the Virtue Trap Quiz. Okay, so it's another fill in the blank one. Question one, the biggest lack in my life is. Two, the greatest joy in my life is. Three, my largest time commitment is. Four, as I play more, I work. Five, I feel guilty that I am. Six, I worry that. Seven, if my dreams come true, my family will. Eight, I sabotage myself so people will. Nine, if I let myself feel it, I'm angry that I. 10, one reason I get sad sometimes is. And then the question that she ends with is, does your life serve you or only others? And then asking again, are you self-destructive? The next exercise that she includes in this section is called forbidden joys. She says to list 10 things that you love and would love to do, but you're not allowed to do. Keeping in mind that by saying you're not allowed to do it, it's mainly that you are not allowing yourself to do it. She does have another one in this section called wish list. And this is just very simple. This is one that you can do whether you're following along or not. Just write down 20 times, I wish, and then write something down and do it quickly so you don't have time to overthink them or judge yourself. Just all in a row, write, I wish, and with a new wish on each line for at least 20. If you can do more, great, but as many as you can. This week's tasks are very much expanding your relationship to this sense of possibility, right? And like what's possible and what's blocking you from believing it's possible. The first one is thinking about the reason you really don't believe in a supportive God universe, whatever you relate to, and then listing five grievances. So like things that have maybe blocked you from believing in the past that maybe are evidence in your life. The second one, starting an image file where you're actually collecting images of, for example, five desires. For the next week, you would be then looking for images of those things. You can start doing this for anything that you dream about or kind of like a, a vision board, but really being mindful of why you're choosing those things and really, really connecting into like things that are around your creativity and exploring that sense of possibility within that. Number three is she's saying one more time, we're gonna list five imaginary lives because at this point that might've shifted if you've opened up your possibilities from going through some of these other chapters since last time. Number four, listing five adventures that you would do if you were 20 and had money. 
And then you can add images of these to, the, to your image file. And then number five is if you were 65 and had money, listing five postponed pleasures that maybe you haven't experienced yet, and then collecting items for this. And she gives the example of saying that she lives in a house that she imaged for 10 years, that she had images of in her image file. So really don't underestimate the power of this. That's why so many people make vision boards. Number six is a good one, which I haven't done yet, I will admit. I did write down that I was going to do it. To write down 10 ways I am mean to myself. Like making positive things obvious is one thing, but we also need to really address the negative and those ways we talk to ourselves and treat ourselves so that we know what it is, where it comes from, and then how we can try to shift those, those thoughts and actions. Seven is a list again, and it's 10 items I would like to own that I don't are. And then you can collect images of this as well. So it's almost like a little manifestation wish list, if you will. Eight is writing down, honestly, my favorite creative block is, and then writing whether it's TV, reading, friends, work, exercise, whatever it is that you do instead of your creative work. And then she says to name it and then cartoon yourself doing it. For me, it would probably be watching Netflix or scrolling on Instagram or TikTok. And then number nine, my payoff for staying blocked is. That could be something you do in your morning pages. We talked about this a little bit earlier. The number 10 is the person I blame for being blocked is. Think about it. Like, is it me? Is it someone specific that you're always trying to please? Is it someone who demands a lot from you? Just really look in with that and see where it takes you. I have an interview coming up on hopefully next Tuesday, depending on how my editing schedule goes. Otherwise, next week we'll be recovering a sense of abundance. And the interview will be with Natalie Wallstein of the Cosmic Calling podcast and Soul Shine Astrology on Instagram and her website. I'm so excited for this interview. I have been following her podcast for a long time and I followed her on Instagram. I love her insights. I love her energy. And I'm so excited to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her. So that will be next week. And part of the reason I really felt this was good timing as well is that because she helps you find your cosmic calling, what it is you should be doing, it's perfect to fit right between looking at possibility and abundance because like I was talking about on Card Pill Friday, your intuition and abundance are linked. They don't have to be separate. You get to do what your soul is calling you to and get abundance that way. I'm really excited and I can't wait. The other thing I wanted to bring up at the end of this episode was an opportunity for you to be on this podcast. I would love to hear from anyone who is following along with the artist's way and really talk about how you are finding your sense of creativity again, and whether that's through spirituality or through some fun practices, whatever has really resonated with you. And it doesn't have to be when we finish the whole 12 weeks, you don't have to be following along perfectly following week to week, 
but just if you're getting something out of it or if it's making you think differently or if you just did something really exciting that you're proud of, please reach out to me and let me know because I can always have it anonymous if you'd like or you can share your Instagram or share your creations and your links whichever way you prefer. And if I just have, if you just have a little sound bite and you don't want it to be a full episode, that's cool too. But feel free to send me a message if you're interested at all. And we can chat about how we can include that in an episode or a few episodes in the future. I want to play these after the 12 weeks. So there's still a bit of time if you're thinking about it, but please reach out now, even if you're not sure when you want to. Or if you're listening to this at a later date, sometime later, and you still feel drawn to share, reach out and I'm sure we can find a way to include you. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs, or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.